Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. So this morning, let's, uh, let's, let's dive in. Um, taking a, uh, a little break here. We've been in that deep construction series, but really feel for a number of reasons I'll share with you here in just a second that we need to depart from that today and uh, ask, what in the world is going on? <laughs> uh, title of the message, what in the world is going on? Or maybe we could swap it around a little bit and say, man, what is going on in the world? Uh, maybe that's a better way to say it. But we're going to pull out of the deep construction series for just a second. Today, I was supposed to be, if we stayed with that, I was going to be preaching on hypocrisy in the church and how that is one of the reasons that people tend to deconstruct their faith. So I believe that's important. We'll probably get back to that at some point. But obviously, all that's going on right now in our world uh, related to Israel and, and all the upheaval over there has, uh, I really uh, believe that it's important for us as a church to, to take a look at that. And I'll tell you why, kind of, what, kind of real life, how this happened. Um, Thursday night was... My family, my whole family, we've, uh, those of y'all that don't know, we got uh, three grown kids and seven grandkids. And so uh, Thursday was my oldest son's 36th birthday. Uh, he sent a text to the whole family. He said, I, I hate, I'm no longer in the, the uh, 30 to 35 group anymore. You know, he's, he's moved up to that next section now. He's over 35. So that's, but anyway, so they were, everybody's at the house. And so uh, some of you saw on Instagram the picture. I mean, it's, it, when they're all there, I mean, we got youngins everywhere. It is wild. It is chaotic. It is loud. It is messy. There's stuff dropping. There's stuff going on. And you grandparents can identify with what I'm about to say. I love for them to come to our house, but I show sure do love when they go home. Amen. So anyway, but uh, Vicky's mad at me for saying that. John, you shouldn't say that about it. But anyway, it's the truth. It's the truth. But anyway, so... Uh, they were all at the house, and um, so we're sitting around the table. We'd eaten a great meal together. Uh, Ty Ketchum, a little shout-out to Ty, had, had smoked a, a beef tenderloin for me that I'd gotten, and he, man, did an awesome job. But um, anyway, we're sitting there, and so we're just talking. We're just cutting. Vicky, uh, Vivi was upstairs with all the grandkids, and so the rest of us were uh, downstairs sitting around the table talking, just talking, just talking. But then the conversation shifted more toward Israel and all the stuff that's been going on over there. And, um, you know, in case you don't know, let me just give you a real quick news report, <laughs> kind of tell you what's going on in our world right now. Uh, last Saturday morning, early last Saturday morning, a terrorist group, Hamas, uh, in the Gaza Strip, which is close right there next to Israel, uh, the terrorist group named Hamas uh, started launching missiles over into Israel, that's a pretty normal thing for the people in Israel. Uh, unfortunately, that's just the truth. It's kind of an everyday thing for them. Uh, the sirens go off, and they look up, and there's missiles, and then their Iron Dome missile defense system activates and goes up and blows the missiles up. And most of the time, those missiles don't land in Israel and don't do, or, or if they do, they don't do much damage. It's, it's still bad, but it's kind of, unfortunately, sort of an everyday thing for them. Well, this was different. Uh, last Saturday morning, because there wasn't just a few missiles that were launched. Uh, differing news reports, different news accounts. It was uh, anywhere from a couple of thousand to about 5,000, anywhere in there, 
missiles that were launched from Gaza into Israel. So just this massive uh, attack uh, erupted. And at the same time that that was going on, then uh, Hamas terrorists started crossing the border using bulldozers to, to push down the fences and stuff like that. Uh, you probably saw some of the paragliders. Some of them took paragliders and flew across the border and came in uh, by that way. Others took speedboats and came up onto the beaches. Others were on motorcycles and back of pickup trucks, all of them heavily armed with machine guns and, and all that kind of stuff coming across the border and just started indiscriminately killing people, killing Jewish people, killing people, anybody they could see. They, they hit this, uh, this music festival that had been going on a bunch of folks out there having a good time, listening to music, dancing, and having fun. And they attacked there. People couldn't get away. 260 people just right there died in that music festival. Then they just started going door to door into the homes and the villages and the kibbutz and all this kind of stuff and dragging people out of their homes or just killing them in their homes or throwing grenades into their homes. It seemed like they were focusing, targeting elderly people. Um, so it's not like they were trying to kill soldiers that were fighting against them. They were just going and getting elderly people and dragging elderly people out of their homes and killing them in the streets or killing them in their homes. They were targeting children. There's reports of babies' heads being cut off and uh, beheaded babies. And, and then they were targeting women, and they were dragging women out, and they were raping them and kidnapping them and killing them. And it's it just, and it just uh, all, over, uh, all over the place. I'm, you know, it just was happening everywhere. And so... Uh, the Israeli government declared war, and you, you're in trouble if Israel declares war for, against you. And the, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, their military began to uh, uh, counterattack. And so now it's been declared war, and it's still going on. It's just crazy. And as of about Thursday or Friday of this week, and I'm sure the number has gone up, the death toll stood at about 1,200 or 1,500 uh, in Israel and about 1,800 or so in Gaza now with Israel uh, counterattacking and all that kind of stuff. So that's what's going on. Craziness. Cra still going on. Still fighting. Still, still uh, uh, anyway. So I'm, we're sitting there talking about this around the table. And, and my three adult children are sitting there. And two of their spouses were there. My son-in-law, Wesley, got hurt at work that day. And so he couldn't be with us. But my daughter-in-law, Emily, was there. My daughter-in-law, Allison, was there. And we're all sitting around. And as we started talking about Israel, I started watching the, the countenance of their faces began to change. My daughter in particular. Now, I'm a, I'm a daddy. I'm a, a daughter of a daddy. A daddy of a daughter. I'm not a daughter of a daddy. <laughs> Woo, man, that could go a whole lot. These days, you never know. But anyway, uh, so, whoo, I'm the daddy of a daughter. So you uh, uh, daddies of daughters know what I'm talking about. You, I mean, when your daughter starts getting upset, you start getting upset. Can I get a witness? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so you want to take care of her. And so I could tell she was getting upset. Not upset, just I could just tell it started work. And then my, my son, uh, my younger son, started, and we started talking. And I could just see the fear starting to well up. The anxiety, the worry. Now, don't get me wrong. All, all three of my kids, all three of my, my, uh, my two daughters-in-law, my son-in-law, all of them know Jesus. All of them are going to be in heaven. We're all going to be there together. No doubt about that. But I'll just, I mean, and, and, but I'll just tell you, sometimes when crazy, when evil is erupting, it disrupts your sense of peace, even when you're a strong Christian. You know? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it just disrupts your sense of peace. And so when I saw that going on, I mean, just those questions that I know you're thinking and that we're all thinking, what kind of, what kind of world is my kid going to grow up in? 
How many of y'all thought that? Raise your hand if you've ever thought that. What kind of world are my grandkids going to grow up in? Raise your hand if your grandparents say that. I mean, you do. You go, what in the world? It's a legit question. I mean, and then, you know, questions like, well, could we see violence like that over there happen in our cities and in our towns and in our community in Florida? I'm going to happen in Florida. I'm just telling you, we start, you know, could that kind of stuff start happening there? Are we going to be safe? I mean, are, are, are we in danger? Are my kids going to be in danger in the days to come and stuff like that? All that kind of stuff. And so you start thinking that kind of stuff and you start wondering about that kind of stuff. And this past week I was visiting in, in uh, the home of one of our senior adult couples and, and spending some time with them, sitting on their back porch, just talking. And the lady turned to me and with, with that same look on her face, she said, Brother John, what do you think about all this stuff going on in Israel? This is a lady in her 80s, and she's got that same look that my daughter, who's 34 years old, had. You know, so what is going on? What in the world is going on? What's going on in the world? What in the world is going on? And and I'm sure that those feelings are across this room today. And here's the deal, y'all. We don't like to admit it. We don't like to admit that we have those feelings of fear and anxiety and worry because we're people of faith. We're not supposed to be... Worried. Worry is a sin and all that kind of stuff. But I get worried sometimes. I get anxious sometimes. Can I, can I confess that? Are y'all okay with your pastor confessing that to you? That sometimes I get worried. Sometimes I get anxious. And you look at all this stuff and, and there's just this, this palpable sense of worry and anxiety that you can feel in our nation, our communities, even across the world. And I want to tell you something. It's even before... That sense of fear and worry and anxiety was very strong even before all the attacks started this past Saturday. You can just sense it. This, you can just feel it. And then you throw in the attacks and everything going on in Israel now. It's just like, oh, we're off the charts now. So, so all that to say, I really believe that's how the Lord, the Holy Spirit began tugging my heart in another direction for this sermon. That's Thursday night. I try to have my sermon for Sunday finished by Thursday. That's my goal each week. I normally don't get to meet that goal because of the way things just happen in preachers' lives. We do work more than one day a week. I want you to know that. And so, and, and, and so normally it doesn't happen. I'm still working on it on Fridays and maybe even sometimes on Saturdays. But I, I want to be through. But, man, Thursday, this week, Thursday night, I'm sitting at my table and just feel like the Lord's starting to say, okay, you're going to change your sermon for Sunday. It's kind of like, Lord, wait, come on, man. It's Thursday. So Friday morning, some of y'all who are on my email prayer warrior list, I usually email, email this group. It's a group of 300 people that I email each week, and they pray for this. They pray for my preaching each week. That's the only thing they pray for. And they usually, they usually get one email from me on Monday morning. Well, they got an email from me on Friday morning and said, y'all, please pray for me because I'm changing my sermon for Sunday. And this was on Friday, two days ago. Because I really believe that the Lord was shifting what we needed to talk about today. So grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 24. And y'all, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. So just get ready. I want you to take notes today. 
I really do. I, I mean, that's not trying to, I just think you ought to take notes. I think you ought to write down the scripture verses. I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures. I'm going to read some of them. Others, I'm just going to give you the references so you can go back. And, but, but here we go. Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 3. Would you stand please for the reading of God's word? I hope you got your Bible with you because you're going to need it. So Matthew 24, verse 3. So Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives and his disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of the coming of your coming into the end of the age. And Jesus answered them and said, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and, I, and, will lead, uh, and they'll lead many people astray. And then you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these, verse 8 now is important, all these are but the beginning of birth pains. Tell you what, I'm just going to stop right there in the interest of time. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Help us now, Holy Spirit. We're going to go, but you're going to go with us. Teach us, help us to understand today in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me give you, I'm going to give you, let me give you, try to give you five statements. All right, so you see, we got to go. So here's statement number one. We should not be surprised. We should not be surprised. We should not be surprised at what's going on right now. Um, uh, 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 you, you just need to, we, we got to start, we got to start connecting the dots. And even this deep, this deep construction series on deconstruction, you start connecting the dots. This all, all this stuff goes together. That's, that's the cool thing about this is that when you look at this, there is so much in here. We're going to talk about this in just a minute too, that helps you connect the dots. And you start seeing how this stuff comes together. And we should not be surprised because the scripture tells us so much about what is going on in the world right now. You take a look at Ezekiel 37 and 30. You don't have to go there. Ezekiel 37 and 38. It's kind of cool right now. I'm reading through the Bible with a bunch of guys. And we're actually reading. One of the places we're reading right now is in Ezekiel. We're reading this stuff right now. In Ezekiel 37 and 38, Old Testament stuff, it tells us God said that in the end, Israel would be scattered and then regathered together as a nation. Get out your secular history book and look that up. And on May the 14th of 1948, Israel came back together and became a nation. The Word of God said that would happen long before 1948. So don't be surprised. And then the Word of God also says that Israel, this nation, is going to be attacked. And it's going to be attacked by these two enemies in Ezekiel 38, these two enemies called Magog and Persia. Well, you don't hear about either one of those these days because they're those, those two nations don't have that name anymore. But most scholars believe that Magog is Russia and Persia is Iran. Who is funding Hamas right now to launch all the missiles and attack Israel right now? Iran, Russia and Iran have never been allies and now they're allies. And Russia is building a relationship with Iran and then our brilliant uh, nation decided we'd send $6 billion to Iran just a few weeks ago and then lo and behold, they start attacking Israel. Wonder where they got the money for that. Shame on us for doing that. So don't let any of this stuff surprise you. Connect the dots. Connect the dots. 
And then when you look at those verses of Scripture that I just read from Matthew chapter 24, i got so many ribbons in place in my Bible because i got so many places I'm supposed to be reading right now. And then it says all this stuff about rumors of wars and rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, all this kind of You're going, man, I hear about that stuff all the time. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because what, this, what you're seeing, what we're seeing right now, what we're experiencing right now, with everything that's going on, not just this stuff this past week with Israel, but with everything that I'm going to show you here in just a minute, in just a second in Scripture, every, connect the dots. Because it's like all the stuff that's going to happen in prophecy when Jesus comes back and the, the, the seven years of tribulation and all the stuff that maybe you know something about, maybe you don't know anything about, but it's like all of those things cast a shadow back to where we are right now. Listen to what Dr. David Jeremiah, a lot of folks like to listen to him, and he's a really good pastor and teacher. Listen to what he says. Every prophetic event casts its shadow. Stay with me, y'all. While the event itself happens in a moment of time, in other words, it's going to happen out there, there are visible shadows of that event prior to its occurrence. So stuff happens now that's the shadow of what's going to happen out there in the future. For, for example, he says, the seven-year period known as the tribulation will begin in a single moment with the rapture of the church. While the church will not be on earth to experience those difficult days of tribulation, the storm clouds, listen, where we are right now, the storm clouds of that period will gather long before it happens. So we're in those storm clouds right now. You know, when a storm's coming, you see the, the clouds start building. You see, and you start seeing the lightning flashing out in the distance, and you hear the, 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 the thunder rumbling way out there, but you can tell it's coming, and those clouds are coming over the top, and the skies are getting darker. That's what is going on right now in our world. So connect these dots. John, uh, Jesus said there in verse 8, 24, 8, all these are but the beginnings of birth pains. You women know exactly what that's talking about. Before that baby is born, you start having those pains over here. Hey, baby, we got to go to the hospital. Something's going on. You got to go to the hospital. You got to get ready because you know something's about to happen out here. But the pain starts back here. This is where we are. The pain is starting because something big is going to happen out there. So connect the dots. Stuff like this, write down 2 Peter 3 3. 2 Peter 3 3. It says, Above all, you must understand. How do you understand? I'll tell you that in just a second. You must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Man, everywhere you look, people scoff at those of us that stand up and preach this is the truth of God's word and preach that Jesus Christ is the only way, truth, and life and no one comes to the Father except with him. You, you, you are a freaking idiot to believe that kind of stuff. Man, why are you saying that stuff? And they scoff at us. And then they go out and follow their own evil desires. Listen to this right here. I, I, I read this all the time because it is, so, it is so true. It is so real. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 1 through 5. But understand this. How do you understand this? I'll tell you in just a second how to understand this. That in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Why did you and I think that it wouldn't get difficult? Why did we, did we think we we're just going to coast on into heaven, into the golden, the great pearly gates and streets of gold? Man, we're just going to coast. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because of what this says. 
In the last days, people will be lovers of selves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control. They're brutal. Look at what's going on. How brutal is it that you drag old people and babies out in the streets and kill them and destroy them and chop their heads off? Brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, <coughs> lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Don't be surprised, man. Connect these dots. Then look at what happened over here in chapter, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 3, <clears throat> Paul said to Timothy, the time is coming. In my Bible, I have the word now written in capital letters right beside that verse. You might want to write that down in your Bible. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to some dude teaching the truth and wander off into myths. Let me tell you, let me, you, 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 want, to, you want to know how that, how recent, how, how current that is? There's a very well-known pastor of a large megachurch over in Alpharetta, Georgia. I've, pre I've mentioned him before in a sermon, not in a very good way. I mentioned him again today, not in a very good way. <clears throat> Just a few weeks ago, he had a big conference at his church. And here was the purpose of the conference, which is a good thing. Listen to me, this is a good thing. The purpose of the conference in this church was to help those parents who have children that are struggling with homosexuality and transgenderism and all the stuff that's happening in our world. That's a good thing for the church to help parents with that. Can I get an amen on that? It is the truth that we should be helping. But let me tell you how he was helping. He got two men who both were married to men and brought them up and put them in front of his church as keynote speakers to teach parents how to help their kids. Two gay men who were married to men as keynote speakers at his church. In other words, time's coming when people want to endure sound teaching, but they'll have itching ears. They'll accumulate it for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, turn away from listening to the truth, and wander off into myths. Dr. John Daniels, your senior pastor, will never have a gay man who is married to another man standing behind this pulpit to tell you anything, not knowingly. But that's where we are. So connect the dots, y'all. Connect the dots. We, we should not be surprised. Secondly, we should be studying. We should be studying. All right, now, write down Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. Let me see if you do better than the 830 bunch. Here's the test. Y'all All right, get ready. Get ready. See if you do better than the 830 bunch. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. Listen to what it says. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord. He set his heart to study the word of God. So here's the word. Be like Ezra. Amen. Y'all didn't do much better than 830 months. I, I had to go back. Y'all did not understand what I said. Uh, read Ezra 7.10. So here's, here's how this works. I'm going to read this verse again. I'm going to tell you the importance of setting your heart to study the Word of God. And then I'm going to tell you to be like Ezra. And then I'm going to say amen with a question mark after it. And when I say amen with a question mark after it, that's a perfect time for you to shout out amen if you agree with it. So that's how that's supposed to work. A little side note to let you know that. All right, so Ezra 7.10 says, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord. So we need to be like Ezra. Amen? Amen. So that's what I'm telling you we should be studying. 
We should be studying. Write down Revelation 1, 1 through 3. I told you you have to write down a bunch of verses. Revelation 1, 1 through 3. The book of Revelation. Brother John, I can't understand that. But there's some hard stuff in there. Beasts, dragons, stuff like that. But listen to what happens in Revelation, what, the word, what Jesus said in Revelation 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. Must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to the servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. So John, the gospel, revelation is written by the apostle John. Listen to what he says here, though. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, who reads the book of Revelation, and blessed are those who hear the book of Revelation, and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. That's why we need to be studying, because the time is near. So here's the point that I'm trying to make to you. There is no substitute. You've heard me say this multiple times. I'm sure you've heard every pastor you've ever had in this pulpit say, but I'm telling, I know for three and a half years, and I know specifically for the last few weeks, you have heard your pastor say to you, you must be a student of the Word of God. There is no substitute. Christ follower, listen to me. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there is no substitute for you being serious about intake of the Word of God. And I said it a couple of weeks ago, and some of y'all probably didn't like it, and I don't care. Because here's the deal. If you're relying on that little old verse of the day to pop up from the Bible app into your phone or into your email, and that's the extent each day of your Bible intake, you ain't getting it. Don't you didn't like that. You didn't say amen there either. What do you mean, John? I'm not supposed to. No, you know that ain't what I'm saying. But what I'm saying to you is if that's all you're getting and you're taking a little pill of the God, a little pill of scripture, one little verse of scripture to get you through the day, then you ain't never going to understand this stuff. You'll never understand. And you'll be freaked out all the time because you'll never understand what's going on. You'll never understand. You will, you, and, and you'll never have a deeper understanding of God. You'll never have an understanding of what He has been up to all throughout the centuries, what He's doing right now, and what He's going to do in the future in our lives and in the world. Every Christ follower today, when I give the invitation here in just a minute, let me tell you how you need to, what you need to do when you run down the aisle today. Are right, you ready? Here's what you need to do when you run down the aisle today. You need to get down here and make a commitment, either for the first time, that you're going to make a commitment that you're going to be a student of the Word of God. Or you're going to renew that commitment that you're going to be a student of the Word of God. We, uh, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about going to seminary. I'm not talking about being a preacher. I'm talking about you as a Christ follower, taking the Word of God and studying it and trying to understand really what it means for your life. And I will help you do that. Shame on me. I'd be a sorry pastor if I wouldn't help you do that. But if you're a Christ follower, there's no substitute. You don't have an option there. Because if you don't do it, then you're, good, you're just going you're gonna, to you're gonna miss it. You're, gonna miss, you're not going to miss heaven. You're gonna, when you die, you're going to heaven and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just telling you, you're not going to understand this stuff. And you're going to stay just knotted up nonstop. You have to study. We must study. You don't cop out. Well, I just don't understand that stuff. I don't, don't cop out, man. Don't cop out. Because when we say that, when we say, man, I just don't understand that. I just don't understand the Bible. We are forgetting. We are forgetting that God has given us the gracious gift of His Holy Spirit, who is our teacher. You forget that when you say, I don't understand. You don't have to understand because the Holy Spirit is going to help you understand it. 
Write down Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 20. Nehemiah 9, 20, that says, You gave your good spirit to instruct them. God gave, has given us His spirit to instruct us. Now look, I love getting up here and doing this. And sometimes I pray and believe that God will use my words by the power of the Holy Spirit to help instruct you. That's what pastors are called to do. But you have the Holy Spirit. And you can take this book and you can open this book up and you can go, God, please help me understand this more. And you can start digging into this and start understanding that we must study. We must study. We should be studying. We should be sharing. We should be sharing. I don't don't think that made the the list there. We should be sharing. Listen to this. Man, I got to go. Listen. The only way that a Hamas terrorist is going to stop killing Jews is to realize that Jesus Christ is truly the Savior and the only begotten Son of God and be saved. That's the only way a Hamas terrorist is going to be saved, is going to stop killing Jews, is to come to Jesus. But Islam does not want them to do that. Here's a quote from the Quran. I don't know if I've ever quoted the Quran before, but I'm going to quote the Quran right now so you'll understand what Islam believes about Jesus. The words I'm about to give to you are when I was in the Holy Land, these words are actually written in Arabic around the top of that golden dome that you see on the news in the middle of Jerusalem on top of the Temple Mount. These words are written in Arabic, and it says this, O people of the book, do not go to extremes regarding your faith. Say nothing about Allah except the truth. The Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, that's, those three are right, was no more than a messenger of Allah and the fulfillment of his word through Mary and a spirit created by a command from him. That's a lie from the pit of hell. So believe in Allah and his messengers and do not say Trinity. See, we believe God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's it. We find that in the Word of God. That's the truth. That's the gospel, the, the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, Islam says, do not say Trinity. Stop for your own good. Allah is the only true God. Glory be to Him. He is far above having a son. Let me tell you what Islam believes. Islam believes this is why they're over there fighting so much. Not, a, not every Muslim's a bad fighting person. Don't get me wrong. Not every Muslim. I've got, I've got good Muslim friends that I communicate with all the time and pray for them all the time to, to realize who Jesus, Esau, is, that they'll come to faith in Christ. Fahad. I pray for Fahad. I pray for Sam. I pray for these Muslim friends of mine. But this is, uh, this, Muslims believe this. Right, let me just give it to you. This is, this is another. Let me just give you this. Read it. A Muslim may love Allah and wish to please Allah, but the question in his mind will invariably be, is it enough? Are my works enough to merit salvation? Allah offers no such promise. Our God does. That if you come to faith in Christ, you are promised your salvation. Amen, amen, amen. But not Muslims believe that Allah will be merciful to them based on his evaluation of their performance. But their salvation is never sure. It's never a promise. So when the Western world, us like us, look with horror on things like jihad that are happening right now, right now, right now in Israel and acts of Islamic terrorism, 
They get a glimpse of the powerful fear that Allah instills in so many of his followers. Faithful Muslims are faced with a terrible choice. Obey the violent commands of an omnipotent deity whose mercy is given only to the most passionate and devoted followers. I mean, the ones that are just getting after it and killing people and all that kind of stuff. Or give themselves up as hopelessly lost and headed for punishment. We've got to tell them about Jesus. And Jewish people... The only way a Jewish person is going to get to heaven is if they come to realize that Jesus Christ really is the Messiah. That he really is the promised Messiah. He is Jesus the Christ. Christ is not his last name like I used to think as a little kid. It is Jesus the Christ, the promised one. Keeping the Old Testament law is not going to get you to heaven. There's some, there's some good old Baptists need to understand that too. That doesn't get you to heaven. What The purpose of the Old Testament law is to show us we can't keep it. And we're sinners. And we need Jesus, the only one who kept it perfectly. We need this Savior. Write down Romans chapter 3, verse 20. No one can ever be made right in God's sight by doing what the law commands. For the more we know of God's laws, the clearer it becomes that we are not obeying them. His laws serve only to make us see that we are sinners. So a Jewish person has got to realize the Old Testament law is not going to save him. Only Jesus, the Messiah, can save him. And the only way that a good old upstanding church-going person sitting in a Baptist church in Mississippi is going to get to heaven as if they come to Jesus Christ and be saved. And quit relying on their church membership or how much money they give to the church or the fact that their papa and granny were good church members that gave them, gave them gave land to build that church. No, that, that, none of that matters. That ain't getting you to heaven. You're not going to get to heaven on your, your parents' faith. You're not going to get to heaven on the coattails of your grandfather. You get to heaven by coming to faith in Christ. We got to keep sharing. We should be sharing. And we should not be scared. I got two more, so I got to hurry. We should not be scared. We should not be scared. A.W. Tozer, a great theologian, says, while it, may look like things, while it looks like things are out of control, behind the scenes there is a God who has not surrendered his authority. My daughter Rachel, either, either Thursday night or Friday morning, posted this on her Instagram, and I grabbed it and put it on mine, and some of y'all saw it. It says this, our king is seated. He's not frantically pacing. He's not anxious or nervous. He's not unsettled or scared. He is seated, steady, and secure. So, we should not be scared. But that don't mean it ain't going to get bad. I wish I could tell you that. I wish, oh, man, everything's going to be well. Nope. Because if you study this, you will find out this is stuff that we worry about. This is stuff that makes us worry about our kids and our grandkids and all this kind of stuff. You study this and you find out that things in this life are going to get more difficult. Jot down John 16, 33. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me, listen, listen, listen to what he says. In me you may have peace. In this world you're going to have trouble. You are going to have trouble. Jesus, the Son of God, God with skin on, our Savior, told his disciples and tells us, in this world you are going to have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He said, in me you will have peace. Y'all, the only way you're going to have peace, the only way that you won't be just freaked out, scared the whole time, is if you come to Jesus who is the Prince of Peace and let him give you his peace that he will give to those who come to faith in Christ. But he said you're going to have trouble. He said you're going to have trouble. Jot down 2 Timothy 3.12. You're not going to like this verse. 
<laughs> Give you a heads up. 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul told Timothy, he said, everyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Well, no, in that case, I ain't going to try to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. You know, I don't, but I'm just telling you, that's what he said. It's coming, y'all. It's coming. It's coming. Revelation 12, 12. You know why it's coming? You know why it's doing? Why this stuff is going on? Because of what, if you'll study this, you'll find out. Revelation 12, 12 says this. But woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. Listen, he is filled. This is what Revelation 12, 12 said. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. He knows this book better than you and I know it. He knows the end of the story. He's pretending like it ain't going to happen, but it's going to happen. Praise God, in the end, we win. Amen, if you're on the winning team. So he knows that, and so between now and then, he is getting more and more ticked off, more and more filled with rage, more and more filled with fury, and he's taking it out on you and me because John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we shouldn't be scared because we can trust in God's plan. We can trust in God's power. We can, if you'll read this, you'll find out God's plan. You'll find out His power. You'll find out His provision for you. You'll find out His purpose. You'll find out His protection. You'll get all of that because 1 John 4, 4 says this, greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And you'll find that out if you'll read this. You don't have to be scared. shouldn't be scared. Because Luke 21, 28 says this, lift up your heads because your redemption draweth nigh. Which leads to the last point, we shall be saved. <laughs> we shall be saved. I don't use the word shall a lot, but it fit with my, my, uh, my uh, outline up there. So that's for those of us that know Christ. Here's the greatest news. Some of the best news I could tell you today. The next thing, the next thing on God's prophetic calendar, as he keeps flipping pages, the next thing that is going to happen is the rapture of the church. That's the next thing. Nothing else has to happen for that to happen. Which means it could happen before I finish this sermon. I pray to God that it would. But that's next. That's where the church, when I say the church, I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about those of us in here who truly know Christ as Lord and Savior. So if you don't need Jesus, I'm not talking about you. You're going to be sitting here when the rest of us are gone. Where do you get that from? Jot this down. I'm, I'm finished. First Thessalonians chapter... Uh, Four. I thought I had it marked. Nope, I ain't it. That's not that ribbon. There we go. All right, First Thessalonians chapter four, beginning in verse uh, fifteen. Listen to this, and then I'm, I'm through. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. So this is coming from the Lord. Nobody made this up. This is coming from the Lord. This we declare to you by word from the Lord that we who are alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
Listen, for the Lord Himself, Jesus Himself, will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those people who are already dead, my daddy, uh, Vicky's daddy, Vicky's mama, our loved ones that know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that are in the ground now, they've been buried, they're going first, but, as soon, but we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds. It's so good. Oh my goodness. So we will always be with the Lord. And then verse 18 says, So therefore, encourage one another with these words. So let me leave you with that encouragement. That if you know Christ, that's what's next for you and me. It's going to get bad. I ain't going to pull any punches. not going to sugarcoat it. I will, there's no way I can declare to you and, and promise you that it's not going to get bad. I think it's going to get real bad. Because those storm clouds are gathering. And the storm's going to get pretty severe until it, the storm really happens after we're gone. Here's the deal. You don't want to be here when we're gone. You think it's bad now? You think it's bad now. And we do think it's bad now. All this stuff happening in Israel is horrible. All the things that we see going around is horrible. Babies being aborted is horrible. All this, everything, it's bad. It's bad. It's horrible. But you wait until the church and the restraining influence of the Holy Spirit in us is gone. When there is no, we, we, at least we are here by the power of the Holy Spirit to hold back some of the evil because we're still standing up preaching it. We're still standing against it going, that's not right. The truth of the Word of God says no. The truth of the Word of God says do this. The truth of the Word of God says live this way. The Gospel says change your ways. This is, so, but once we're gone, there will be nobody standing up stopping it. And the, whole, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit present in us will be gone. Nothing will hold back the evil then. We have no way of even imagining what that's going to be like. But praise God, those of us who know Christ, we don't have to worry about it. We're not going to be here for that. That's next on the calendar is for those of us that know Jesus. So here's the point. Let me encourage you, if you know Christ, hang on to that. Keep studying. Keep studying. Man. Don't got to be studying. Got to be sharing. Keep going. Don't, don't try not to be scared it's, it's going to get rough but we're going to be saved so be encouraged with that but here's the rest of it if you don't know Jesus you better come to Jesus today if you're sitting there with a big old question mark in your heart and mind about whether or not you're going to go when the rapture happens if the rapture happens before I finish this next sentence and you got a big question mark about whether or not you're going to go when the rest of us go then come to Jesus today get down this aisle come to Christ give your life to Jesus Cry out to Him to be saved. Come to Jesus. Let Him save you today. He's our only hope. So come to Him and be saved today. Some of the rest of y'all need to come down here and get on your knees on these pillows and say, God, i got to get into the Word more. I'm 46 years old and i got to say, you know, I don't, I don't know so little about this. I don't know who is 46 in here that I just called out of the crowd but as I just picked that number out but I'm just saying you know what I'm saying here you are you're an adult person yeah I gave my life to Jesus when I was 10 years old in Bible school and here you are 40 years old so it's been 30 years and you know about as much now as you knew when you were 10 years old that's why these pillars are down here so Lord help us now help us Lord help us do what we got to do be saved recommit our lives get ready 
help us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray.